The reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 16. God's wisdom revealed by the Spirit. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we thank you for your words to us through Paul, through these words of Scripture. And I pray that by your Spirit now, you would speak your word into our hearts, transform and renew our minds, and help us to see Jesus. Amen. Well, we are in week three of our series, looking at 1 Corinthians 1-4. to And uh, the home groups, most of them, I think, if not all of them, are chatting more about these passages during the week. So if you feel like you want more of 1 Corinthians after your sermon, uh, then please think about joining a home group. In the first week of our series, we thought about waiting eagerly, in particular standing on the solid ground of God's call and his grace. Last week, we thought about believing foolishly. We saw how in the cross of Jesus, God gives us a new set of values, that what matters to God is not winning, but weakness, is not strength, but sacrifice, is not greed, but giving. And we saw how in the cross of Jesus, God transformed even a cruel method of humiliation and torture and death into the ultimate symbol of beauty and life. 
the cross. And we ended by seeing how our part is to share that message, trusting in God's power to change hearts. And that is where we begin in chapter 2 today. I hope those of you who are in home groups enjoyed sharing some stories about you being foolish during the week. Some of those fun. I had, I've heard a couple of them. I don't know if any of you have heard of the Darwin Awards. Anyone heard of the Darwin Awards? One or two of you. They are given uh, posthumously to people who die doing something incredibly stupid. They're possibly a little dark for a church service, but they also have an honourable mention category for people who are still idiots but don't quite make the ultimate sacrifice. In December 2019, there was a man stuck in traffic in Halifax when his car exploded with him inside. He survived. Um, You see, he decided that his car stank. And uh, he'd got um, some air freshener. Uh, So he'd sprayed an entire can of air freshener inside his car and uh, then decided he wanted to smoke. What a plonker. In last week's reading, Paul goes out of his way to point out that he did not speak verse 2, with human wisdom, that he came, verse 3, in weakness, that he spoke, verse 4, without wise words, without persuasive words. Earlier in chapter 1, he talks about the foolishness of what he preached. Incidentally, this is why it's important, I think, to have a Bible open when you're hearing a sermon We can print the words on a piece of paper. We can put them on the screen as we've done today. But that doesn't, it doesn't tell you where the reading comes in the Bible, does it? That's quite important. You can see that we're sort of towards the end of the Bible today. It doesn't tell you what comes before. Like those verses I just quoted, they came before our reading today. Well, they weren't on the screen. It doesn't tell you what comes after it. And of course, if you don't have the words in front of you, you can't make sure that what I'm saying is actually in the Bible. I could say what I like. So I encourage you to bring a Bible to church. And if you don't have one, we have some uh, that we can put at the back of church. Using a Bible on your phone is fine if you can avoid the temptation, which I struggle with, to not check your emails or your social media feeds whilst looking terribly earnestly down as if you really are struggling with the words of St. Paul. Anyway, by the end of chapter 2, verse 5, we might be forgiven for thinking that Paul's gospel, the message that Paul spoke, was complete nonsense. He uses words like weak, foolish, uh, not eloquent. But then we reach verse 6, the first verse of our reading today. We do, he says, however, speak a message of wisdom. This does make sense, he says. And it is true wisdom, for it is God's wisdom. He continues in verse 7. We declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. God's wisdom, Paul says, is a mystery, but it isn't a permanent mystery, forever baffling. It has been hidden, he says, which means it isn't hidden anymore. One day, God will wipe away all our tears. He will heal all our wounds, and he will take away all our pain. But for now, God shines his light through all the weakness and the brokenness to show Jesus. 
It's a picture of God's wisdom, of the mystery that Paul is talking about. In Ephesians 3, he spells it out a bit for us. He says this, In reading this, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit. This mystery is, that's where we need to start listening, this mystery is that through the good news, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the body of Christ. The mystery, hidden for ages and now revealed, is the church. This is what Paul declared, the gospel he preached. It's a new people, a family that anyone can join, no matter where or to whom you are born, where we all together share in the promise of new life in Jesus. It is something totally new. It's no wonder, as Paul says in verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it. Of course they didn't. They didn't get it then. And they don't get it now. Because worldly power is all about us and them. It's all about keeping people separate. Having a common enemy. Just listen to the way politicians talk now. It's always been that way, but it's particularly so at the moment over the last few years. That is not God's way. God's way is to bring a ragtag bunch of broken, hurting, and repentant sinners together and through them to show Jesus to the world. That is God's wisdom. God's mystery now made known, and it is the church. Sinners in need of a savior through whom God shines his light to show Jesus. Now, the next verse in our reading, verse 9, is often quoted when people talk about heaven. As it is written, Paul says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Except what's Paul talking about in this passage? It's not the afterlife. He's talking about the church. Verse 10 These are the things God has revealed to us by the Spirit. In other words, the things that no eye could conceive, no ear has seen, no eye has heard, no mind could conceive, it's the church. That is the inconceivable thing that God had planned from before time began, the church. God's inconceivable wisdom now made known is you lot. It's us as we are part of the global church. We are part of what he has chosen to create. We are part of the way that he has chosen to shine Jesus' light into the world. Through a new family, flawed and frail, forgiven and set free. I think that's good news. Do you? Yes. It's great news. That is God's true wisdom. The second thing this passage teaches us is what true spirituality is. 
Uh, my wife Jess has an odd way of starting conversations. She always seems to begin them by saying, hey, are you even listening to me? <laughs> it's not true, by the way. <laughs> Yesterday, I accidentally deleted the audiobook that Jess and I are listening to. Now I'll never hear the end of it. Oh, that's not true either. I had a long chat with Jess once about whether it's appropriate to, to, to tell stories as if they're true about me for comic effect, and we decided it probably was. How good are you at listening? I say comic effect. How good are you at listening? How good are you at listening? I wonder if you've ever heard someone say something like this. Um, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Or, I'm sure there's something more to life than this, but I reject organized religion, and I'm finding a spirituality that works for me. Have you heard something like that? The rise of uh, the web in recent years and social media and video platforms like YouTube means we can find a church or a leader or a speaker or a religion or a spirituality that suits me. But that, as my friend Peter says, is simply disorganized religion. We end up talking about not God, but me in a louder voice. Or perhaps a quieter voice with pebbles and diffusers and wind chimes. (laughs) It is about me, not God, that sort of spirituality. It's meology, not theology. The Christian faith is not that. We don't get to pick and choose because God has told us what we need to know. If that sounds bad... That's the world infiltrating our attitudes. God is offering us the truth from the one who created the truth, from the one who knows the end from the beginning. God is offering us the truth about life from the one who created it. The truth is in Jesus, and the way we know Jesus is through the scriptures. The question is, are we listening? Did you spot how Paul figured out God's mystery? that had been hidden for ages. You spot how he figured it out? Well, he didn't figure it out, did he? It says in verse 10, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. He says in verse 12, we have received this message from the spirit who is from God, so we can understand what God has freely given us. Verse 13, Paul says he speaks with spirit-taught words. The message he preaches, verse 14, is from the Spirit. And they are discerned only through the Spirit. In fact, just as the first nine verses of chapter 1, Paul mentions Jesus nine times, so in these six or seven verses, he mentions the Spirit ten times. Why? Because the message of the cross, the message about Jesus, wasn't something he made up but something revealed to him by God's Spirit. And that means that true spirituality has a capital S. Because it's entirely the opposite of what most people mean when they use that word. It's not a case of finding what works for me. It's a case of listening to what God is saying through his Spirit. For after all, the Spirit is the one who would know what God is thinking and doing. Verse 11, who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? 
In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, of course, we don't hear the Spirit through some mystical state of meditation. We hear it through reading Scripture prayerfully, and we hear it through reading Scripture together. Yes, we need to read Scripture by ourselves. That's important. But it's also important to read it together, which is why I will keep banging on about home groups until I leave. (laughs) It could be of many, many years. I've lost count of the number of times Christians have told me they feel far from God, like he is distant, that he's not speaking to them, and then admit they're not reading the Bible. Jess has been away all week in Portugal visiting her friend who lives in Lisbon. And by the wonders of modern technology, we've been able to send messages to one another. She sent some photos of the beach and the beautiful sun (laughs) very kindly. We've even spoken on the phone. Now imagine if I ignored all of her messages and phone calls and photos, and then when she got home on Friday morning, I had a go at her for ignoring me all week. Friends, I know it's not easy. I know the Bible is strange. I'm currently halfway through Ezekiel. Some of the Bible is very strange. It says things that are hard to understand. Things that challenge us because we don't want to hear them. But that's because belonging to God's family is very different to belonging to the world. In Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he says in chapter 5, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We no longer belong to this world, but to God's family. Human wisdom is easy for us to understand. It comes naturally. But part of belonging to God's family means growing in a new wisdom, in God's wisdom. Verse 12, Paul says, What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. We speak not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit. Now, reading the Bible is not a textbook. When I read theology, my director of studies, he'd done some of his theological training in Germany. And uh, in Germany, they have something called a Biblerkunde. Excuse my appalling German accent which is a Bible exam, and they spend a year reading the Bible in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And then at the end of the year, they have an exam, questions of which are things like, who did what on a snowy day? (laughs) What was the king of Og's bed made of? What was the name of Samson's father? They had to answer. So when I was studying theology, he gave us one of these exams, and I absolutely bombed. I know the answer to those three questions now, because they're the ones I can remember. (laughs) That is not what it takes to be in God's family. The Bible's not like a textbook that we have to learn to pass an exam. It's a living thing because of the Holy Spirit. As we read the Bible, as we listen to what God is saying to us, the Spirit works within us, helping us to hear and understand. Verse 14, in fact, without the Spirit, we can't accept or understand what God is saying to us. The Spirit helps us to see spiritually. And it's a miracle. There's a couple of miracles going on in the first two chapters of 1 Corinthians 
First is the miracle by which we join God's family, the miracle of the cross through which we are forgiven, through which we receive a new identity on solid ground of Jesus. The second miracle is the way we grow into that new identity through the work of the Spirit. And so just as we need daily to repent and receive forgiveness of our sins, so we need daily to be open to the Spirit growing and renewing us. Paul says in Romans, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, for this is your act of... Anyone know the next word? Spiritual worship. The Holy Spirit renews our hearts and our minds. It's a miracle. And yet again, we don't have a lot to do in this passage, do we? If you notice that from the first couple of chapters of 1 Corinthians, pretty much everything Paul talks about in those chapters are things we receive, things that God does or has done for us and now gives us. So pretty much all we have to do is this and say, yes, please, and thank you. This is the foundation of the Christian faith, what God has done in Jesus and is doing through the Spirit. It's not about me and my way. It is about him and his way. And unless we take that to heart, we will come unstuck. That's what had gone wrong for the Corinthians. If we were going to carry on into the the whole of the letter, we would find that out. You have to take my word for it, unless you've got a Bible you can look for yourself. That's what had gone wrong for the Corinthians. They'd come loose from the anchor of what God had done and is doing for them. And that's why Paul had to begin his letter in this way. The Christian life is about responding to God's call, not about earning or proving or passing anything. The Christian life is about receiving a new identity and growing up in that family of God. The Christian life is about learning to build our life on the solid ground, the foundation of Jesus Christ. But that's for next time. I'd like us to pray in a moment. Perhaps Sarah could start just uh, playing a little on the piano. I think this passage guides us in how to pray. It may be that you're new to the whole church thing. Uh, You may have been coming for a while and still don't quite get the message of the cross. Maybe you do see the wisdom of God on the cross and you want to keep on growing and being transformed by the Spirit. Maybe you have friends family, loved ones, that you long to see the wisdom, long to see the cross, long to come to faith. Maybe their faith is flickering. Maybe yours is. Maybe you don't have a clue what you want, but you know you need something. The way to pray for all of those things, for yourself or for others, begins, come Holy Spirit. And in fact, I've been wondering recently if all our prayers shouldn't begin that way. Come Holy Spirit. So I'd like us to stand, please. And I'd like us to just hold your hands out. We did this a couple of weeks ago. Just hold your hands out as if you're being given a gift because, friends, you are. 
And whether you want to pray for yourself or for someone else, just hold that in your heart. Hold that person in your heart. Come, Holy Spirit. Change us. Renew us. Open our hearts to understand. Open our eyes to see Jesus. Lord, we stand in awe of you. For all that you are, for all that you've done in the world around us and in our own lives. We stand in awe of your power and majesty and glory. And Lord, we ask you again to fill us afresh, that we may know you more day by day. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. Amen.